Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Real Deal Talk. Today is a big day. We have got Mr. Tim Smith in the house, yeah. a.k.a. Coach. He is riled up right now, but Absolutely. not as but not as much as me. Uh, but this, but even though he's riled up, he's kind of one of those that's like the duck on the pond. Where on top of the water, they're real calm. It doesn't look like anything's moving around, but underneath the water, the feet are going a million miles a minute. So I'm going to call Tim the, co- the, the the duck on the pond, right? A lot of st- look, look at him. He's calm. He's cool. He's smooth. Um, but the coach, we, the reason we call him coach is because um, this guy from day one in his life, he's coached. You name the football level, right? High school, college. Where was college? Purdue? Purdue University, Northern yep. Arizona University. Nice. Yeah. And then also a little, little bit of a stint in a couple of, uh, with a couple of NFL teams like yep. uh, Arizona Cardinals, yep. um, Chicago Bears. Yep. Uh, so we're going to get into some of that stuff. But uh, first and foremost, let me, let me hit you with a quick uh, sponsor. Cause I, and listen, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in once again from the bottom of my heart. I can't thank you enough. Um, the feedback that we're getting, the downloads that are coming in, the views that are coming in on, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just went over, uh, and most of our uh, listeners are on Spotify and iTunes, but even YouTube just went over 200 subscribers and over, I think, 100,000 views on YouTube, I believe, or 150, something like that, Spencer. So we're flowing here. We got a little flow Sweet. going. So I, but I, and I'm humbly saying this. I can't thank you guys enough. Um, if you're a fan of the show, the feedback, I can't get, I can't hear it enough because it keeps me going. It just makes me feel so good about what we're doing in here and leveraging the stories of amazing people like Tim Smith here. That's you know going to impact lives for basically forever. This is yep. a, a the, the, these messages and these stories and these testimonies that you guys are sharing on the show. Uh, we'll live in eternity, you know, 24 hours a day. We're impacting lives, which is just the most exciting mm. thing to ever think about that while we're sleeping this, you know, these interviews are working for us, so to speak, you know what I'm saying? So I can't thank you guys enough. Um, it, it, please post reviews, share the show with others, um, subscribe to our channels. Um, also, uh, sponsorship. If you want to support the ch- show financially, real yeah. deal sleep, uh, our mattress companies p- flipping the bill around here. Okay. Real deal sleep, go to realdealsleep.com If you want to set an appointment with me. Um, as you guys may know, I specialize in sleep systems, which is zero gravity, where you're going to sleep with some elevation with your head and your feet, which helps with uh, snoring, apnea, reflux, circulation issues. If you are significant other, have different sleeping positions or different sleeping um, firmness levels that you like. I've got a number bed now where you can actually customize the, the firmness on your side of the bed. So once again, if you want to support the show financially, Real Deal Sleep, come down, purchase a mattress, refer somebody to us, go to the website, come down to the showroom, come see me. And once again, thank you so much, guys. I can't thank you enough. <laughs> Love you guys. All right, Mr. Tim Smith. Now, how old are you, bro, by the way? 59. 59. Young buck. Look at this guy. All right, so we're both still in the 50s here. Yeah. All right, this is good. All right, it's two 50-year-old men chopping it up today. Got this some wisdom going this, on. Yeah, we've got a little wisdom. we got 100 and, uh, what, 111 years between us at this table right here. It's a lot of years. There we go. It's a lot of years, a lot of wisdom going to be spread today. All right, so speaking of which, go back for me. Where were you born and raised? Let's go back to childhood a little bit because we need to find, okay. figure out how you got to this this big, amazing coach guy, right? How did that happen? So go back to childhood, born and raised. Give me some stuff about the parents. How'd that go? Yeah, so uh, at heart, I'm a Midwestern guy. So I was born in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Okay, wow. Only spent a short time of my life there, but my family's originally from Minnesota. So uh, huge Vikings fan. Oh, yeah. I actually am a Viking, so half Norwegian. Are you really? Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> you look like a Viking. So it's uh, it's a family thing. It's a, I mean, it's... 
in the genes. It's it's a part of the whole culture. Yeah. In Minnesota, the whole Viking culture. Unbelievable. So, uh, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. You know what? Now, now that you're saying that, I didn't realize that's where the name came from because there's a big culture out there of actual oh, yeah. Vikings. Absolutely. Come there on. Settlements in, in my family actually. There's some settlements on the coast of Lake Superior. They're Viking settlements. You're kidding me. Yeah. I didn't even know this. I just thought it was a made-up name. No, no. It was. It's. It's part of the whole <laughs> state culture. You know, now, big now, Lutheran Norwegian culture there. That, that's uh, uh, just part of the fabric. And so how long before they canceled the Viking name because of what they did back in the day, right? Right? <laughs> Pillaging and... Right? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah, know why, yeah, I, don't know why I, I said I don't that. see how that's going to happen in Minnesota, <laughs> but... <laughs> I hope not. Because um, do you ever watch the, the... Off on a side note, do you ever watch the show on... Uh, what's it, Netflix? Or was it you, uh, Netflix Vikings, right? Right? Oh, yeah. yeah you, you watch definitely, it? Definitely. My oh, wife's it's... a big fan of all the Viking stuff. Oh, yeah? Maybe, you know. Yeah, there you go. Of the connection. It but, makes sense. Uh, but yeah, she, it's like everything that comes up, Vikings, she yeah, watches. She's all over it. I'm in it too. Nice. All right. <laughs> all right. So talking about childhood, brothers, sisters, how was the family? How were the parents? So I'm a baby of six. Wow. Six kids. My uh, parents were awesome, incredible people. They actually dated since the sixth grade. No kidding. Uh, my my uh, mom's maiden name is Scrine. You know, my dad's yeah. you know, name is Smith, obviously. So my dad sat behind my mom all throughout school. Yeah, two S's. Used to uh, dunk the her uh, ponytails and the inkwells, trying to get her attention. No you know, way. In elementary school. Yeah. And then they became high school sweethearts. And uh, dad went off to fight in World War II and came back, got married, started all of us. Wow. <laughs> so nobody knows what that means, the ink wells. Do you remember, was it the desks had ink wells in them? Yeah, yeah. You had, so to dip your you had to dip your pen in the ink well, and then, and then you write. Oh, you know, my it gosh. You know, it was way before Bic pens or ballpoint pens or anything like that, so... It's it's yeah. amazing if you think about it, man. Like what what like what do what do kids think about? Like like when we say this stuff, they're like whatever. They don't even think, they don't even pay attention to it. They don't yeah. care, right? Exactly. Unless they're on a phone, tapping, you know, they're not like oh whatever inkwells. Like isn't it right. weird that we like we didn't have cell phones? We had landlines where we had to, have to dial a phone. Yeah, remember yeah, this? Totally. I remember hearing the stories. You know, I mean, inkwells were long gone when I came around. Yeah. So it's just hearing the stories about it. It's like, wow, you guys really did that. You know, and it's, yeah, they did. Yeah, it's bizarre. You know, along with all the other stuff they went through. You know, so. All right, so parents, uh, great. Now, but uh, brothers and sisters, what's what's the denomination of brothers and sisters that you had? Five. So four four brothers, mm. two sisters. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, oh, my. Four, four of us males and. Two, two so sisters. what was that household like? It must have been at like World War Three in there. It was uh, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we had a boxing uh, ring in our basement. Did you so really? Kind of how my dad, you know, he was a big boxer, so uh, you know, he'd settle things between the Are you brothers. Go down, you know, go down, put the gloves on. Are you serious? <laughs> That's a yeah. great idea because I only know it with two kids. And uh, it's a girl and a boy, and there's a five-year difference, and they fight every freaking day, like <laughs> constantly. So I can't imagine four brothers. Yeah. So yeah. you guys would seriously t- take it down to the uh, to the basement, hit and hit it, get into the ring. Yeah, and it was more of a, a learning thing for me because I'm, you know, there's 16 years between me and my oldest brother. Wow. Difference. So, you know, 
for me, I just, I just run down there and kind of watch it all happen, you know, and then, and then learn, you know, they'd be teaching me and, yeah. and, and all that. So, but yeah, that was the way, uh, settled and things. What was the first sport that you got into as a kid? Do you remember? Football. No oh, football. Yeah. yeah. Did it, you play other was, sports as well? I played other sports, actually uh, lettered in four different sports. In oh, high wow. School. So football, basketball, baseball, and track. And track? And track. What'd you do in track? Ran 400s. No way. Yeah. Man's race. My, uh, well, it's funny. <laughs> the, the last thing I asked my son this morning, I can't believe he said this. Yeah. On the way here, because he came down, he's, hey, dad, he comes down, he goes, gives me a hug before I leave. All right. You know, gives me the, the giant hug, we call it, that I need before I go into the battle of the day. Uh, comes from my son. And th- he's got a track meet this coming weekend, but it's kind of a voluntary one. Like, it's, it's a big one. And if you want right. to run, you can run. I said, hey, why don't you run one race this week? And he said, well, which one? You know what I said, right? Yeah. The 400. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and he said, ah. I'm like, come on, man. You got one more in you. Because this will be the last track meet of the year. And it's funny. It was the 400 <laughs> because he ran one last weekend. So he's run two 400 so far. Wow. And the second one he ran, which is last weekend, you know how that, it wasn't good. Like he felt <laughs> demons so were coming in. It was hard, yeah. right? So he pushed it is my point. You know, when you push it, you're questioning your life on the last hundred. <laughs> so true. And he was there, dude. So I'm like, oh God, he's not going to ever want to run this again. Cause it was rough. Like yeah. he was, I didn't think he was, I thought he was going to pass out afterwards. Anyway, I can't believe that you brought up the 400. I know right where, I know right where he's feeling. Because my first 400 race, yeah, uh, I didn't run track until my junior year in, in high school. Wow. And I only ran, I only went out for track to get faster for football. That's right. That's exactly what we're doing. And so, uh, 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 you know, I, I was in most of all the short sprints, but my coach thought I'd be a really good 400 runner. Yeah. So I first track meet, I'm going, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going against some state champions, and you know, the, I mean, like these guys are fast. I'm just going to bust this out. You know, tracks yeah. <laughs> tracks different than football. It's totally you know, like, different. You gotta learn. Yes. And I so I just I just took off, and, I, and it was there was no, you know, cruising. No, no. no it was just all out. And uh, I I like made up, you know, like made up the stagger. I'm out in front. And my coach is up in the box. He's, he's like talking to the head track coach. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Smith, he's like, this is amazing. Get to the last oh, hundred, geez. dude. And the bear jumps on my back. <laughs> Rigor mortis setting in. I'm like, I'm like trying to struggle to move my arms. I mean, the whole field yes. just blows past me. And I finished like 10 seconds, which is a lot. It's a lot. It's like 10 That's seconds behind everybody else. And I, I didn't even know if I'm going to make it to the finish line. Inside, I yes. felt like I could make it, but it was like my whole body was shutting down. So I know exactly. That's where exactly he was what at. happened to him this last meet. And I remember running past the finish line and hearing some of my friends in the stands laughing. Are you serious? That's that's my that's my memory. I'm like, I am not gonna ever do that again. That was that was my feelings. <laughs> like, no way. You know, I'm never embarrassed like that. Oh. So. Uh, yeah, but did, that's did that was the beginning. A, did you make a comeback? How was the next one? <laughs> did make a comeback. I ended up qualifying for state. And ran. what did what did you did you change? Like, did you say make, not go out quite as fast? Well, I, yeah, I went back and said, "Hey, man, I got to learn how. If I'm going to run this race, yeah. I got to learn how to run this race. Right, right. Because it's a, it's a science. Exactly. And so that's when I started. You know, okay, got to listen to my coaches. Got to really, really listen to what they're saying. Got to take this you know, training yeah. in segments and learn how to really break it down, yeah. which is, you know, 
fundamentals. That's what a coach is. I mean, yeah. they break it down into fundamentals and take something that seems complex or hard and make it, you know, yeah. doable. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that's really what I went to. And then throughout the course of the season, it was just consistent consistency, working on it. That's right. Being steady. And I gradually saw things improve. Wow. You know, I got in better condition, yeah. too. So, oh, yeah. you know. That bear jumps on you at some point. It's just a matter of when. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to him this last race. He he was literally <laughs> out. In, he was second place coming to the back turn, and then the, the bear jumped on his back. And yeah. I mean, I actually didn't think he was going to finish. He no. was that. He was in that rough of shape. Yeah. And he made it. I was so proud that he at least finished. It was pr- <laughs> like, but you like he's brutal. Oh yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned the four hundred because we. It's the last thing I said to my son this morning was we were talking about the four hundred. All right. So anyway, <laughs> Gosh. Um, amazing. So what was your favorite? Obviously, football was your favorite. Yeah. Yes, without a doubt. And then track. How did that translate over? Didn't that translate well to the to the football field? You think as far as speed goes? Oh, without question. Yeah. I mean, in fact, it, that's the really the the thing that got me recruited. Uh, wow. My senior year was I was an undersized linebacker. I was you know. It was really, I mean, people thought I was like 205. Yeah. That was like 185 pound linebacker. Oh, you were. And, uh, which is not big. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd show up on my recruiting trips, and, you know, your recruiting trips, you weigh in and they measure you and they do all that yeah. kind of stuff. I'd step on the scale, like 184 pounds. I remember being at the University of Colorado, you know, 184 pounds. And were they like every, guys? Everybody's getting offered, you know, at the end of, end of the trip. Yeah. And, you know, hey, thanks for coming. You know, appreciate you coming it's like <laughs> wow no but, offers but no offers but university of arizona where i ended up playing yeah uh was in my hometown and they had seen me run in track meets yeah so they knew i could run so mm. you know, okay if if you can't make it as a linebacker it doesn't blow up and become a big linebacker we can make him a safety yeah and so that's what i, I became at the college level when i played was because that's, a, that's safety. a safety size yeah. Roughly 190 ish. Yeah. 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 Used to be. Used to be, yeah. <laughs> bigger now. Yeah, now they're big boys. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. And it was because of track. Because of track. Came down to track. And so 400, did you do the 200 and the 100 as well? I did. I did. Yeah. And did, did the, you know, four by one. What relay. was your best 400? My best 400 yeah. time? Do you remember? Yeah. Well, yeah. 50, ran, 50 I, something. So my first track meet, I finished last, you know, when the jerk yeah. jumped on my back. Yeah. My last track meet. I finished last, but the difference was my best, my best time ever, which was is my last track. It was in the state meet. So was, was, but, it the, was it in the fifties? Yeah, yeah. Wow! And you were yeah, last. I think it's 50, uh, 53, <laughs> two, 53, two. And this is high school. This is high school. Yeah, man. I finished last. Everybody else, was, they were going on to track scholarships and all that well, kind that, of stuff. That, but I, you know, I was like, yeah. all right, did my best. That's all you can do. That's Absolutely. and that's and because uh, I just started coaching flag football, mm. so I'm coaching flag now. And my number one rule of the team is do your best. Number two is have fun. These are the first two rules. Seven years old, it, it, you know this, coach. Yep. Do your best, right? Definitely. We can't ask for more than that. So it's been, and we're going to get more into that as well. By the way, yeah. All right. So go back childhood, high school, parents. Now, 
um, parents? Was dad working all the time? Was mom home with you? Give me some home life. What molded you as a child that kind of set you up for success, either in sports or life itself? Can you give me any childhood, the way that you were molded and let's say, I always say programmed from parents, like what was the home life like, dad working, whatever? Yeah, you know, um, my dad was a, a real successful insurance agent mm. uh, and mom stayed home. And then um, my uh, my father uh, got really sick had a, had a an ulcer that you know just you know ruptured yeah almost died wow um, uh, brought him back but then you know doctor said hey you know you can't really go back to a real high stress work environment like insurance yeah. you know so he kind of gave all that up um, still worked but. Uh, became an orkin man right? oh really <laughs> yeah, really uh but with that my mom decided then to launch a career in her 40s wow and so uh she started working for um uh jc pennies at the time and then uh just blew up i mean really became a a senior merchandising manager with buy a senior buyer for all of jc pennies um would get invited to New York and sit on the board and, and direct, you know, different departments yeah. how to how to merchandise and buy. and buy. So it was like, you know, I saw my parents work together as a team. Mm. Wow. And so, um, you know, that really stuck with me. Yeah. You know, it was their love for one another, right, allowed them to, you know, work together for the good of all of us. Yeah. And through some, you know, pretty hard times. I'll bet. Yeah. And so that's incredible because a lot of families, like if the dynamic is off, mm -hmm. that'll create like a major issue in the family. Like if he's not providing anymore. Yes. Right. Mom's not willing to, let's say, step up and cover his back or pick up the slack. Mm -hmm. Right. So the fact that they showed you that. Completely. Completely is, is demonstrated so, that. Yeah. And you guys, so did everybody, did all the, your brothers and sisters, did you all appreciate that? Or did you just kind of take it for granted, you think? Or, because when you're young, it's like, you don't, are you, were you the Wayne one that really looked at that and said, wow, that's what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think, I, I think we all uh, grew to appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I think my older brothers, it's kind of affected them more because yeah. that happened right when they were, you know, really in high school or going off to college or around those years. So, um, it kind of affected them a bit more because it was more impactful. Right, I was I was younger, so I was yeah. like, you know, living through this. But but I think we all really got a great great understanding of of the sacrifice that they made for all of us. Yeah, and how that really propelled us forward. And that that example of teamwork is just you know that was clearly there. Oh yeah, amazing. And did all your brothers? Uh, did they all play sports as well? Uh, they did, they did to, in high school. In high school, yeah. yeah. I'm the only one that that went on to play in college. Now, was there a lot of competitiveness within the family? Yes, big time. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. Oh yeah. So, and you were 16 <laughs> years behind the oldest. Yes. Yeah. So he didn't even. He was long gone before he even got to. Yeah. So like he graduated from high school in '66. Yeah. You know, which was you know pretty turbulent time of, of our nation's history. Yes. It went right into the whole Vietnam thing. You know, so I, I, I remember being two, you know, yeah. when he graduated and then just him being gone. You know, Did he go, was, he went to Vietnam? Yeah. That's a whole, 
a whole other big story, but yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it's your older brother. My oldest brother. Yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. we're gonna have to get into that in a second here. If you don't, if, if, if you're if you're all right with it, but um, okay, so go back. So you saw the team work with the parents. How did they get along? How was the uh, the dynamic in the home? Anything else you can point out that is was impactful to you as a child, like the way that they raised you, the the example that they set. Yeah, I mean, the, the faith was mm. was all was everything. Okay, get and into that, that a little bit. You know, yeah, my parents were pretty were kind of controversial in that um, they they came from either side of the tracks in this small town in Minnesota, and one half of the tracks was was a uh, uh, Lutheran Norwegian yeah. Lutherans, right? Yeah, which my mom hundred percent was. And the other side of the track was Irish Catholic. Ah, okay, and in which my dad one hundred percent was. Yes. And in my uh, my grandfather on my dad's side was the uh, chief of police. He used to actually uh, uh, drive the train, the Great Northern Railroad train. He was an engineer. Wow. But when they shut the uh, um, trains down during World War II, then he became the chief of police. And so uh, on the other side, my mom's dad, my other grandfather, was the he owned the bank. So them kind of crossing the tracks and becoming high school sweethearts was, was like a big deal. Really? Like in this small Midwestern town. <laughs> yeah. oh so this, uh, when they decided to get married, you know, it was this big Catholic versus Protestant, you know, Irish Catholic versus the Norwegian Lutheran thing. And they just, you know, just made, you know, it's our faith that's important. Yes. You know, not necessarily the denomination. Right. And so, uh, you know, they walked that out through all of our lives, basically, and uh, taught us that. You know, my my mom especially. Wow! And so, did you all? Were you in church every Sunday as kids? Did you did you run, did you go with it? Were you fighting it? Uh, yes, I was in church every Sunday. It was, yeah. you know, school wasn't an option. Um, you know, and and uh, uh, it it was it was a struggle. Yeah, you know, it was you know because we, we we went to the Catholic church. Uh, oh, love, love, you know, love Catholics to this day. Yeah. You know, I kind of feel I'm, I am, you know, Catholic means universal. Yes. So I feel I'm more Catholic than I've ever been. Yes. I'm more universal than I've ever been with wow. my faith now. But, uh, so I love Catholics and, and, um, growing up in that, in that environment, you know, I was, uh, you know, I would have been categorized as an ADD kid yeah. for sure. Of course. And so sitting through, a you know, sitting through a mass was always a, rough, always rough, but I would always have to sit next to my dad. And, you know, if I got a little too squirrely, I'd get the, the little missalette they have in the, in the pews and I'd get a little missalette slap on the back of the <laughs> back of the head just to remind me, you know, what's focus. Wait, <laughs> wait, what's the missalette? What is this? The missalette is a, it's like a little it's like a prayer book or a hymn book, oh, yeah. right? And it's yeah. and it's like every week it's it's new. Yeah, right? and it has all the scripture that they're yes. going to be reading from, and and uh, has all the, yeah. the 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 you know the liturgy kind of written out and yeah. all the stuff that you, you know you're supposed to say and all that stuff. And he he'd knock you in the back of the head with that oh, thing. Yeah. yeah, he'd have that folded up, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so every Sunday, and now, so. But where did mom usually go to church, though? Was... She'd go with us. Oh, she'd okay. Yeah, yeah. But so wasn't she was... going to a different church before, though? She was. She was. She was, but she decided, hey, this is important for yeah. all of us to be to church 
you know, in church together. Uh-huh. So it was like, you know, despite the differences, yeah. this is what's most important, that we're here together in faith. Love that. Amazing. Grounded in faith, the overall faith, faith, right? No question. Amazing. Um, and, and so at what point did you, would you feel that you started really appreciating the, the, the faith part? Like, or did you even know what that meant when you were young? Like, yeah. you got older. Because I remember, all I remember is Catholic Church with my cousins. And it was just, we just got through it. Like, yeah. kneeling, standing, kneeling, standing. It was so boring. Definitely. We just wanted to get out of there. Yeah. I don't remember appreciating anything, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a lot of questions. Yeah. I, I got kicked out of catechism class. Oh, you did? Yeah. Because, I'd, I'd, you know, in my time sitting through the Mass, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd see all these different images of the saints you know these carved statues right and i remember asking in catechism class we're studying the ten commandments and i said you know, you know are, are we really supposed to have these carved wooden images you know these idols in in mass you know and we look at them all every, every single sunday right and uh we're not supposed to have idols right and uh, i remember asking my catechism teacher that and then uh they had this talk with my parents, and then I just, I'm, I'm home. Yeah. So I, I got kicked out. You got kicked asking out? Too many questions. And he <laughs> so, didn't, so he didn't even answer the question? No, no. I don't think he had an answer to the question. <laughs> said, well, those are the saints. You know, it's like, well, okay, but, but, you know, we can respect and, and admire the saints without having wooden images there. Yeah, you know, making so, them idols. And I was, you know, I was like 10, 8, 9, 10, right in there. So... Wow. Um, so they, yeah, they kind of, uh, my parents kind of gave me some, some freedom. I think I needed. Yeah. Then to not force that so much. Yeah. What? Did, how did they react to that? What did they say? Were they, were they like, you know, they were cool with it? Just said, you know what? Good question. Or were they like, no, you can't answer. Or you can't ask questions. You know, I, th- I th- you know, I think they like, especially my mom said, hey, you know, as you as you grow in your faith, you're going to understand things better yeah right and even though again that was a difference that mm. that that she was seeing she she had the faith enough to believe that god was gonna you know walk me through that mm. you know so it wasn't like anything she was gonna force on me and, and so any trials and tribulations in your childhood that you can remember anything you went through that was rough definitely so i was born with a uh, what's called a strabismus okay which is uh commonly known as a lazy eye or cross eye. Ah. So um, I had uh, three different surgeries to correct it. Wow. And uh, one when I was two, it was really unsuccessful. Uh, one when I was 14, which really didn't, it made it a little better, but it was, it's still very obvious. Yeah. And then uh, finally I was able to get it corrected when I was 38. 38? So it took kind of technology that many years to really kind of catch up could with. you see okay did you yeah i had 20 vision and now but visually when looking at you could you tell one of the eyes was off absolutely so did you get made fun of his kids is we we know we focus between yeah. you know we're taught to be you know focused with both eyes right and when you when i would focus i'd primarily focus out of one mm. and the one i wasn't focusing out of would drift in so I could switch, like yeah. you know, I'd switch my focus to the other eye, and then the other eye would drift in. So I'd freak people out a lot. 
And so, <laughs> so did, what, did you get made fun of? Oh, you know, yeah, ki- yeah. Kids are just yeah, relentless. That, that was an, oh, absolutely relentless. 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 Did that affect you in a, in a way? Like, how, how did you react to that? Yeah, I think, you know, I went through periods of, of, you know, hey, why can't I be like everybody else? You know, and why do I have this, you know, God? And why is, you know, why do I? Because, you know, if you think about when you look at somebody. Yeah. You know, you know, and, and they kind of look over to the side like, what's he looking at? Right. You know, even if they don't say anything. Yeah. You can tell that. You know, yes. they're thinking about it. Yeah. You know, so it's like whenever you engage with somebody or talk to somebody, that's the constant reminder that something is mm. up with you. All right. So I think, uh, uh, you know, I was looking for something to, to kind of validate, validate myself, you know, make myself feel valuable. Yeah. And uh, for, I found that on the football field, believe it or not. And that's, so um, that's where things all became kind of. Yeah even <laughs> and so but did you have a good group of friends that did accept you and like yeah i had i had friends but even even then you know like you know they would join in sometimes with the you know with the crowd or the group about the eye about the eyes yeah wow cross eye yeah and and uh you know i developed a kind of a resiliency about it i remember you know one of the stories my parents talk about is i'm, I'm riding my trike out in, in the front yard and some you know, like three or four, something like that. Yeah. And uh, some guy goes by, and he, like, an older kid, and he goes, looks at me, and he says, "Hey, you're you're cross-eyed." And I said, "No, I'm ten. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I don't know. At a very young age, I kind of developed this resiliency about it. And how do you think that carried with you in your life, like this whole thing that you went through? Because that, that's this is a big deal. It is a big deal. This is a big deal because yeah. kids are relentless, and when you get Definitely. just made fun of and people don't accept you. Maybe you don't feel like you belong. You know what I mean? That can go South. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where my parents, I think really, mm. really stepped in and made me feel loved. You know, they really, really stressed how valuable I was, you know, the things that I'm doing, they were, they were involved in, you know, they supported, uh, I don't remember any, any football game I was ever at that they weren't there. Yeah. You know, they were just there. And, and so when you have, you know, when you have your parents believing in you, yeah. that's, that's a big difference. It's a big difference. That's great. And so how important is that, by the way, I'm, I'm going to use that as a segue to a quick topic here. How important is it for parents to be at the game or to be at, uh, to f- support their kid on the field? Oh, the, you know, there wasn't a time, even when I was playing in college and, you know, there's 60,000 people in the stands, you know, I'd take a minute during pregame to, to look up and just kind of know hey they're, they're there yeah and and that happened all throughout you know growing up was just knowing that they're there they're believing you they're supporting you they're cheering you on is just makes all the difference in the world and so as a coach mm-hmm. like have you you've seen obviously both sides where parents that don't go to the games right yeah so as a coach how important is it for parents for parents that are listening and watching to this, or to this, how important is it that parents are out there to support their child? Yeah, you know, sadly, I've seen those that that don't have that support. Yeah, and they're and they're looking, they're, they're looking. looking for that validation. You know, that, hey, you know, this means something to somebody, you know, other than myself, right? Right. And uh, whatever passions. 
we we develop as as children. We're, we're the things that are placed in us. If, you know, we're pursuing those things, and parents jump on there and cheer them on. Yeah. Get into that. that just flames something that's that you never know right. how big that's going to get. Yeah, you know, and, and what my parents were flaming at me. I mean, has affected. You know, Your hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, hundreds. Know, the people that I've coached. Right. You know, and then we can talk into all the players that I've coached that have gone into the NFL and players that I've coached that have, you know, gotten Division One scholarships and um, even players that I've coached now that are that are that are head coaches in the NFL. So um, that support of the parents and that belief in you can just spawn something that you never know how big it's going to get. And I'm so glad that you put it this way, man, because we're going to dig, we're going to go further on this because, and the reason I'm going further is because <laughs> as, as a coach, I'm seeing it on both sides. I'm seeing the parents that just don't show up, show up. Sometimes they'll have an excuse that they can't mm. get to the game, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I can see it in the kid that they're just looking for some form of validation just to be seen. Right. Yeah. Right, because everything we do is for recognition, right? Our, being being appreciated or recognized, yep, is what drives us, right? Recognition is everything. So, and to what you just said, Tim, the way you put that, parents, listen to me. What Tim just said, because not it's not just about them being like this amazing all star football player someday. Mm -hmm. You have no idea, like you just said, where that's going to carry them for you into you as a coach and look at the lives that you now have indirectly affected and, and look at how many generations that's going to go on for. Yeah. Because definitely. your parents were at the games supporting you in your passion. Definitely. It's incredible. It is. When you think it about is. how far down that goes, just that support. And, and that's really, they showed up. They showed up. They showed up. They were there. They were present. Ugh, right. I love that. And how many of us are, you know, just look for relationships where we're present. Yeah. You know, and that was a present for my parents is that they were present. They were they present. Were active. They were involved. They were involved. Unbelievable. Now, how important, okay, go further. The dad, mm. the father figure. Now, moms, of course, right? Moms right. seem to be, in my experience, the ones that are always going to be tried and true supporting their son. Yep. And I'm talking sons here because we're talking football. So what about the, like the mom, mom seems to be tried and true, but what about the father that's fallen off? How important is it for the, to have that father figure there? Oh my gosh. I mean, hugely important. Yeah. You know, we, uh, you know, I think, I mean, we have a, a God shaped hole in us. That's only filled by our heavenly father, heavenly father. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's it's um, our fathers here on earth that give us that impression, right, of, of what our heavenly father must be like. Mm. By the way, we are parenting. By the way, we are fathers. You know, so if if, um, if we're not being led in fathering by the father, yeah, you know, then you know, I think we got to check ourselves and get connected. You know, to yeah. the source right. of that, but being that father figure and making those impressions have have, you know, have just a huge ripple effect in children. Not just 
not just in sons, but in, you know, we're finding out more and more of the impact of a father is so important in the identity mm. of our daughters. Yes. Right. And so, um, you know, the absence of a father, whether it's, whether it's, you know, through separation or whether it's in an intentional decision by a dad not to really be involved, uh, we're, we're just so missing the boat, right? Yeah. And not being that fatherly figure that's a representative of our heavenly father. It, it keep going with this man, because I want this, I want my, <laughs> you know, the fact that you're on the show today is so, I, I'm so excited about this because you're such a, a great father figure to so many. Mm-hmm. So I've heard, and I've heard this about you so much by so many people. And most specifically, I'm going to mention this guy because he, he wanted me to, <laughs> he wanted me to give you a shout out. David Ewing. Uh, D-U. D-U. Wow. D-U said, hey, when he found out you were coming on the show, he's like, please give my, that man and his mm. family my love. love uh, talk guy. about a father figure. That's what he said about you. Mm. Like you're just this this love fatherly that. guy. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah, he he, and I'm glad this came up because he wanted me to give it. He didn't tell you to do it on. He didn't tell me to do it on the air, <laughs> but I'm doing it because hey. uh, it, it was special that he mentioned it. He said, "Oh man, it's that real guy. deal, right?" That's right, exactly. <laughs> Come on. Um, so say something. Talk about that a little further with uh, as far as father figures. You saying channel through your heavenly father. Because I personally didn't have a father. I did mm. obviously, but he was not present at all. But luckily, I had a mom that took she was probably she's probably stronger than most men yeah right but father figure keep going further with how important for fathers listening or or moms that are listening that are going to make their husband listen to this podcast because of this (laughs) keep going on how important this is oh well i mean i think the the step is really being connected to the source yeah as i said yep right and and that that's really the heart explain what that means so you know, when we have a relationship with God the Father, yep. right, then all things are possible. Right. You know, and including being the best father that you can be because you're, you're learning directly from the source, yep. right? And really that's a key for me in everything I do is uh, when you look at uh, like John 17, right. that, that's Jesus going away to pray. The whole chapter is him praying to his father, right? You know, we, we like to talk about the Lord's Prayer, which is great. But really, that whole chapter is the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And the heart of it is father. He's praying, father, may they, us, be one as you and I are one. And that's Jesus's heart for us. So it's it's this... You know, whether it's father, businessman, uh, athlete, you know, all these different roles that we play, coach, you know, teacher, pastor, you know, all this stuff. It's, it's you know, God is bringing us into oneness with the Father so that our lives can be congruent at every level, you know. And, and so fathering is, is, is like our, our, it's our first line of ministry, mm. right? That's their first calling and uh, to love like the father, to be of the father, to be one with him is uh, everything in life. And it's really what I'm learning here, Tim, is that all of this connected to the source, it's, it's just about being um, a good person. It's about being righteous. 
living mm. a good like being impact you know being on the good for others like being uh righteous you know what i mean you, you see where i'm going with this yeah yeah like it's so simple like what are we doing here right like what's right. the what's the main mission like you said through heavenly father like because a lot of people that and I have people that listen don't understand what this even means sure right? sure so that's why i'm trying Absolutely. to kind of break this down even good. further excellent into kind of layman's terms, which is, you know, a lot for me because I'm learning on the fly here. Right. All I knew was I saw a group of guys and women that are kicking ass and taking names and doing good <laughs> in the world. I'm going right. to sum it up. Right. And living boldly and leading like I've never seen lead and just quality human beings that are doing mm. a lot in the world in a good mm. way. I'm like, okay, mm. I want to be a part of that. And that's why I went to Awaken Church. Beautiful. I saw incredible results with incredible human beings. I said, okay, I want to be in that. I don't know. Thank God and it just, that. it just happened to be a church, yep. right? And we'll go, we can go further on that later in the, in the interview here, but, but keep going with, um, about what that's all about. Like, you know, how important it is to like, like, cause the world right now is in shambles. It always, it always pretty much is because that's the way our society is programming us is right. to be in fear, to be broke, sick and fearful. That's pretty much where we're programmed, right? Sure. So how do you, how do you find the source? Like, like, how do you channel this? Like for people that are struggling right now, they're always either, um, they're always either, uh, depressed mm -hmm. or pulling the victim card or they're going through trials and tribulations and saying, why me? Go further with this now that we're on this topic here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, it, you know, if you ask anybody, um, you know, do you want to be the best? You know, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can do that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, anybody on the street, you can say, hey, you want to, you know, you want to be the best? Yeah, yeah, I want to be the best. But, you know, really, do you, are you willing to pay the price? Yeah. To be the best? Right. And the great thing about getting connected with our heavenly father is he's already paid the price for us. Mm. Right. Jesus has paid that price for us that we don't have to struggle about being a good person. Right. When, when we get connected to Jesus, the, the, the heart of the champion, because that's who he is is the champion of heaven, right? We get connected to the heart of the champion. He comes within us to live that life mm. in us. So we, we it's, it's like our choice is made you know, to follow him, to uh, pray him into our life, right. right? Ask him to come into us. But then that heart of the champion starts to take over. It cannot not be a champion. And so that's what we become. And so it takes the struggle off trying to be the best, trying to be our best, trying to be a good person. And we realize, you know, this is who I am now. And yeah, what I can be has no limitation anymore. Right. So in tapping into the source, um, you know, we, we go from, a, a, a people that may have a visitation of God, right? That's really what's hap what's happened is where in the Old Testament, you know, God would come and visit with people, right? But in the New Testament, through Jesus, we become a habitation people mm. where he comes to live in us and dwell in us and be one with us, 
And so that just elevates the game. I love that. Because you ask anybody, you want to be the best. But yeah. are you willing to pay the price? Yeah. Right? All right. So can you lay your life down and say, Jesus, I'm yours? And, and because I see a lot of people, and this, you know, we were all there. I was there where it was all selfishness. Me, me, mm. me, me, me. Right? Yeah. Life's simple pleasures. I still see it. I, still, I see parents that are more concerned with their own simple pleasures of going out, going to the bar, drinking. They'll make time for that, mm -hmm. but they won't make time for their kid. I'm yeah. seeing this. It drives yeah. me nuts. But then I realize how big of a role, my, my, what my role is, not just as a coach, but as their father figure. Mm -hmm. their heaven, not their heavenly father, but their earthly father, a earthly father figure for them right. that they're lacking. Right. Get into that. I know I'm jumping ahead here, but, <laughs> but we're on a good flow here. Meaning, because as a coach, yeah, you realized, like you said before, what your parents did for you and what that led to of you mm -hmm. coaching. Talk to me about some coaching stuff that what you have come into contact with of how important your your role channeling with the father into these er, being earthly father figures to your to your students and to your athletes. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, uh, staying on the father part because yes. that's, that's you know yep. as a yeah there's no greater thing than that as a coach. I mean, you're coaching your family, right? And I remember um, the day my our oldest son was starting uh, school, and um, and so you know it's a big deal. I don't want to make that a big yeah, deal, right? And uh, I remember you know, getting around praying with. Uh, you know, the whole family on that whole big day. And, uh, you know, my wife's looking at me like, oh, you know, I gotta say something profound, you know, like, oh, you know, okay, on the spot, praying something profound. And I just, I, you know, I felt like the Lord gave that to, gave this to me. Um, and it was, uh, hey, Quinn, the old son, I said, know who you are, know whose you are, and know who you represent. And so whenever they went out the door, all three kids, you know, when they're going out on a Friday night or whether, whatever it might be, it's like, hey, know who you are, know whose you are, and who you represent. And so uh, that became kind of you know, one of the family mantras yeah. that, you know, we continually come back to. Yep. Is, you know, you got to know who you are, Yeah. you know, and they're going to, you're going to experience things. They're going to challenge you, challenge who you are all the time. And, uh, if you're grounded right in the source, then, you know, he's going to remind you who you are Oh yeah. and he's going to remind you whose you are, right. Who yep. you belong to. And, uh, and then, you know, who you represent is really, you know, you're representing more than just you, right. You're, re you're representing the father you're representing your family yeah you know you're representing you know a team that you may be playing for yeah you're representing yourself you know it's how how do you how do you want your you know people to see you how do you want to come across and so who you represent you know is a nice finishing touch to all that yeah i love that because if, i mean if that doesn't drive you you know what i mean to be a just to be great at whatever you're doing to do mm -hmm. your, to give your best effort because yeah. that's you're representing, right? I love. I always say to that my kids. Remember, remember, we're representing here. 
when right. you're out on that track, when you're on the field, where you're representing, awesome. right? Um, so get into, uh, okay, so let's go back. Uh, <laughs> we got into high school. We were in high school. You yep. went to, you got drafted because they saw you in track. Yes, yeah, recruited. Recruited, sorry, recruited, that's right, to Purdue. Although I coached no, Arizona. Purdue. Okay, yeah, the Arizona. To, yeah, went to University of okay, Arizona. Okay, so tell me how that went. Uh, it, was, it went great for uh, the time that lasted. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I went there as an undersized linebacker. Uh, by the end of my first year, you know, I, I, you know, working out and blowing up, you know, I went from that 185. I was about 190 by the time I got, you know, got to U of A. And, uh, you know, by the end of my redshirt year, now I'm, I'm 225, but <laughs> I've already, they already switched me to safety. Yeah. Right. So now I'm, I'm like one of the biggest safeties in the Pac-10. Right. That was Pac-10 at the time. And so, uh, uh, so I, I, I kind of saw myself as a, like, you know, as a linebacker yeah. still, you right. know, but I was just playing, I was playing with, in the secondary with a whole lot of space to accelerate and run accelerate. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, re- I couldn't play today. Cause I, I, it, it was all, I mean, I was just, you know, if I was a step slow, I, I'd count on my ability to, to blow things up Yeah, and, uh, you know, through contact. So I was kind of known as a heavy hitter and, and, and that involved my head. Yeah. And so, uh, I ended up having 13, um, uh, oh concussions Wow! in the first you know, couple of years at, in college. 13, 13, actual. well, those are the ones that they knew about because there's some I wouldn't, you know, cause I, you know, kept having concussions. I wouldn't say anything cause I knew either going to take me out or not let me practice or so. Wow. So yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff. And, and finally just, it, it's just, you know, they wouldn't let me play anymore. So it was, uh, I had them, you know, they call it medically retire now, but yeah. it was, I just had to stop playing. And this is in college. This was in college. So you made it two seasons. Two seasons. Two so seasons. The guy that I played behind um, ended up going on and getting drafted. Played nine years with the Browns. Uh, the guy that that uh, that came behind me, you know, so I was re- ready to jump in, be the starter, all yeah. that stuff. The guy that came behind me took my place. Ended up playing like eight years in the NFL, the All Pro, a couple a couple of those. So. I was kind of sandwiched in between those guys, but uh, it was t- it was that was a tough one. That was a kind of an end of a dream. Um, went through a transition period. Well, I guess, what am I going to do? Yeah. All right. So now, God, because I want there's so many areas I want to dig in here, and, and we're going to. <laughs> but talking about how, what did you do to get through that? Because that's your at this point your identity. Oh yeah. Is this incredible football player? the assassin on the field. I can tell you were the heavy hitter, right? Yeah. What, what did that do to your psychology? What did that do to your, your mind? Like, yeah. What, Cause what, that's, so, real, that's a great question. Cause as I mentioned before, you know, I found my value yeah. on the football field, right? You know, that's where, Hey, you know, people can say whatever they want to say about, you know, my eyes or whatever, but you know, Hey, I'm gonna come blow you up. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so that was the place I found value. So when that all came to an end, and I, I thought, right, for, for sure I'm going to play NFL. You know, I'm, that was, you know, I'm going to have this long NFL career, and then I'm going to, you know, go into broadcasting. I was, you know, studying, you know, radio television at the time. And uh, so all of it 
comes to a screeching halt. And, uh, and they made you, so they said, hey, yeah, enough's a, enough. You can't was, do another no, concussion. Yeah, I remember the, the, the last practice, and I just, you know, I, I knew I got a you know, ding myself, had a concussion, kind of standing off the side on the sideline, and the team doctors came up and said, hey, are you done? You know, this is it. Because he'd been saying that before, yeah. but I kept, you know, pushing it, coming back, and, and, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I am. This is in practice. This was in practice, and and um, it was in spring. It was in spring ball, actually, in spring practice. It was a rainy day in Arizona, which is pretty rare. And I remember uh, just walking off the field for the last time. Going, you knew it. Going, I knew it. I knew it. this was it. And I remember walking to my locker. I remember peeling the name off my locker. And wow. Just leaving all my stuff in there and just walking out. And so the, were the coaches like they knew it was coming? Did everybody was everybody just waiting for this moment? Like, you well, they 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 knew I was, you know, continuing to try, and 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 they knew how important it was to me, and and I think I was a contributor. So, yeah, I was um, gonna say you're still effective on the field, right? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And and you know, so they knew the talent, but you know, this was the situation, and. uh and so, yeah, you know, talked with them afterwards, and you know, just all I can do is wish you, you know, best of luck, right? But uh, yeah, how did that uh, feel? Yeah, it was devastating. It really was. And and I went through a period of, hey, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And uh, that season. What'd your parents say, by the way? Um, what were your parents saying leading up to this when the, the concussion number nine? Were they like, listen, Tim? Yeah, I mean, all along. They were like, you know, it was my health that was most important. And, uh, um, you know, I was an adult, so it's like, yeah. you know, they were giving me the advice of, hey, you know, just, you know, make sure you, you know, meet your health that comes most important for anything. So, you know, I think they, they got to like, you know, even before concussion nine, it's yeah. like, hey, you know, don't feel like you're doing this for us, you know, or, you know, this, I mean, this is your decision, but you know, we want you to be here. Yeah. You know, and this was way before, you know, like we knew all right. the things about yeah, we, yeah, concussion we and, right. and all that stuff. So I, I remember I had several, yeah. and it was just like, it, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even tell anybody. Yeah. And, and I'm really what, you know, I mean, I, I had one in baseball, actually my sophomore year in high school and just never really gave it time for my brain to recover. You know, I went from, you know, just a couple months later after baseball, right into football practice and, you know, had a couple my junior. Had a, Did you get one had, in baseball too? I got, yeah, my first one was in baseball. From what, a ball in the head? Yeah, I was a catcher and, and was blocking the plate and, and got oh. a throw from outfield, went to turn to make the tag, and the guy, you know, was blocking the plate, so he knew he yeah. wasn't going to run me over. So he tried to jump, and when he jumped, his knee hit me right in the temple oh. right when I turned, bam. Did you get knocked out? To completely knocked out. The ball landed on my chest protector. So he was out. He was out. <laughs> yeah. But I was out too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but it had a big old, wow. you know, a bunch of bubble gum in my mouth and drooling and yeah, knocked me out cold. In wow. fact, I didn't really, even though I was up that and was walking your first around, one. that was my first one. I didn't really wake up until the next morning. I thought it was a dream. You're kidding me. Yeah, that's my mom. Did I, did I, like, get in the hospital? No, I was at home. 
but I was walking Did around. Did you play? Fine. You didn't play the rest of the game. You were out. Yeah, I, I went out, and I remember you know driving home with my dad, and you know who was there, and uh, asking what happened. And he'd tell me what happened. I say, what happened? And he'd say, you know, he'd tell me again, and <laughs> he's like, something's a little off, you know. Wow. So they just kind of kept an eye on me, and and I seemed like I was fine, yeah. but I really wasn't fully awake. I, I, I was walking around. I remember saying things, but I. Like, like the lights weren't on yet until I woke up. So wow. I thought it was a dream, and my mom's like, okay, that's it. You're going to the doctor. <laughs> so, well, that was my first one. But So I never really recovered after that. It was just, I just went one season and the yeah. next season and just kind of kept multiplying. And, um, okay, so, so after this, when you had to call it quits, mm-hmm. keep going with that. Yeah. So you didn't know what you're going to do. What, yeah. So I, what'd your parents say to you at that? But what kind know, of advice? Yeah, that was good. Um, you know, they said, Hey, you know, you've always, uh, have been a multifaceted kid. You know, you do all the different sports you did. You know, I played, I played in the jazz band. I was a musician. Um, uh, so, you know, there's, there's, you know, just them saying there's, there's a lot you can do other than football, right? Right. Or, um, you know, there's even options in football. And uh, I'm like, okay, great. My, my uncle um, was, a, was a college and professional football coach. Uh, he was actually uh, good friends with Bud Grant, who was the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, a big legendary coach. And so uh, I remember being at different occasions growing up where, you know, Bud Grant would be there, you know, family occasions. So... I kind of had this connection with him and I started thinking about, well, you know, maybe something, maybe coaching might yeah. be the thing. And in, in that time, I really, you know, I conquered into my faith and, and, you know, like seeking God, like, what, you know, what do you want me to do? You know, what else is there? You know, what else do you have for me? And, uh, that next season, I remember going to the football games that I, should have been playing it and you know cheering on my friends and ex-teammates and um uh they were playing colorado who had a new coach his name was bill mccartney Mm. and in the paper like i think it was like a thursday night before the saturday game there's this article about bill mccartney and he's talking about coaching as a calling and god's called him to to be a coach and to mentor young men and to, you know, be a representative of Christ. And I'm like, wow, maybe that's it. Yeah. So that was kind of the inspiration for me to start coaching. So I started doing that right away while well, I was finishing my degree. I was coaching uh, high school. At the, the, so uh, would you reach out to high school? or would you? I reached out to my high school coach, and, who I had a great relationship with, and I said, hey, I think I'm being called to coaching. He said, okay, well, start coaching with me right away. Right away. It was right in the middle of the season. So I started, started coaching, and hadn't stopped since. Oh, man. So think back, dude. <laughs> think back. <laughs> Like what if what if what if you had gone on? I mean, I mean, we couldn't even we can't even speculate what would have happened, not only health wise, but your calling. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, you know, my dream obviously was to play in the NFL. Um, through coaching, I've had thirty nine players that I've coached over the years become NFL players. Right. 
had. How great is this? I know. It, Come on. Uh, it, it's a God thing. I mean, I've had, I think it's 56 or something like that, kids that I've coached in high school that have gone on to Division One scholarships. And then uh, uh, come in a full circle uh, just last year, um, there's this kid from San Diego, from Carlsbad, that became the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. And I coached that kid in high school. Kevin, no Kevin O'Connell. Kevin yeah. O'Connell. So, yeah, he won the Super Bowl with the Rams. He was the offensive coordinator for the Rams, right? And then got the head job at my Vikings. So it was, it's, it's been amazing to see the lives that I've been able to impact through coaching, you know, go on and achieve so much more than I would have. Well, we we, we can dive right into this in so many areas, bro, because <laughs> it's so profound when you think about it. So like, blessed, man. Because when we do things that are more for ourself, mm-hmm. Like, cause let's be honest, going to the NFL, that was for you, your dream, you, this, that, and yes, it would have set your family up financially, but how many people would you have impacted that way as opposed to going this route when God said, no, 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 hold on a second. Right. Yeah. And then because the route you went, you coach, and as you said, 39 in the NFL, 50 something division one scholarships. Right. Right. It's, it's unbelievable when you think about it. Completely. So Talk about this, how profound it is that, that your your life, like as a person and as a family, that you guys didn't just pull the victim card, give up, go into depression, me, woe is me, right? Yeah. But you instead veered off. Talk about that. Talk about yeah. how profound that is. Yeah, that, that you know, during that, that time after... You know, I walked off the field for the last time. That, that was, you know, that easily could have gone that way. Right. Right. And it was a struggle. It was like, hey, God, you know, what, I, I really want, I really want to know, you know, what's my purpose in life? You know, wh- why am I here? And I think it's, it's good to go through that, you know, s- soul searching time, you know, cause God meets you there. Yeah. He really does. Yeah. And, uh, and it just, you know, okay, I, if I can't reach that dream, then I can help other others do that. But that was really in my heart. And, uh, and, it, and it wasn't until actually years later that I'm, I'm worshiping in, in church and Awaken. Yeah. This was, you know, a few years after starting at Awaken. And uh, I'm in worship, and it was a, it's, it's, it was a song called Champion of Heaven. And I just felt Holy Spirit say, you know, when you're the champion of heaven, what do you have left to champion? Wow. Right? Yeah. You're already the champion of heaven. What else do you have left to champion? Yeah. And then just that voice just said, you know, I don't. I make champions. Love it. And so um, that's really what coaching is, is. Hey, you're there to make champions. And, and how important is it for, for watchers and listeners, what, what you went to, 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 when they go through something really, a life-altering event, mm-hmm. how important is them to have faith that it's happening for a reason? Yeah. How important is it for them to not give up or to realize that? I've heard this recently that 
well, I've heard it my whole life, but recently somebody said it and it's stamped in. Like, you don't really, you'll find your new self when you go through something like a really rough time. Yeah. See what you're made of. Yeah. You're going to find your new Tim. I find my new JD when I went through this thing that I went through, right? Yes. You, you found your new Tim. I mean, you were there the whole time. Yeah. But the new version of you. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, um, you realize just how much more God has for you, mm. right? That, uh, you know, when he says, you know, you know, there, all things are possible, you, you know, you can believe that. Right. He has everything for you. You know, it's just a matter of, of us being able to, you know, ask, seek, right? And, uh, and knock. Yeah, and knock. Right? Ask, seek, and knock, right? <laughs> And, and so when you do that, you keep doing that, you know, ask, you know, and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open unto you. Yeah. You know, and so that's the process. I mean, if you keep doing that, you know, just those, the, that's an acronym. You know, it's ask, ask, seek, knock. I love that. Right. And yeah. just, okay, just keep doing that. Keep doing just it. Just keep doing that. And, and, you know, it produces... Uh, a fruit in your life. It produces a steadiness in your life and, and you discover, you know, that's what growing is all about. Uh, and it gives you purpose. Discovering the more God has for you. Ask, seek and knock. Just keep repeating that your whole life. That's it. Right. Everything that happens. Ask. Keep this, keep the, keep it going. Yeah. Who Are, do you ask? Yeah. Yeah. God. Go to the source. You know? I love it. All right. So when did you know that coaching was your calling? How fast did you realize what moment happened in your coaching career in high school, whatever it was, did you realize, okay, okay, God, I got you. Yeah. You're right. This is my calling. When did you know? Yeah. I think that, um, when, when I was coaching you know, the high school I played at with my high school coach, um, he, you know, he always would describe me, me when I was playing as, as a coach on the field. Like he would ah. always direct things, you know, say things to me and I, you know, like able to get my teammates to do it. And so, uh, when I was coaching with him, it was, it, you know, I could tell he was doing the same thing in a way. Um, but I was, I was able to have even more of an impact and, and, uh, so it was just like a realization. I, I, I knew the game at, at, instinctually at a, at a higher level. Yeah. Right. It was just like, like I was able to see things and respond to things and understand things differently. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I said, okay, I think I want to, you know, since I, my college playing career was cut short, I'm like, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to be. And so that's what I set out to do. And, you know, within, you know, just two years, I was, you know, I'm coaching at my first college job. Did they come get you or did you, did you put the feelers out there? How did that work? How yeah, that you know, I, I, I uh, took, um, as, as, you know, I'm studying exercise sports sciences um, and, and coaching was part of that, that my undergraduate degree. Um, you know, we take different types of classes on how to coach mm. certain sports. Wow. Right? 
So, um, and you got to take a variety of different courses because, you know, you're ultimately like you're going to be a PE teacher or you're going to maybe teaching at the public schools or, or private schools or whatever. So you take a variety of different classes, but one of the classes I took was a theory of coaching football class. Huh. And it was taught by uh, a legendary coach. In fact, the state football trophy, championship trophy, is named after him, Coach Doherty, uh, in Arizona. And uh, uh, he was the teacher of the class. You know, he was retired, and but he was still an athletic director at a local high school. And I remember just... That's not the one that inspired you to coach, was it? Well, he... he is that the I, same name? Uh, no, it was a different guy. It was okay. a different guy. You know what I'm talking about? The coach. one that you... That said he was called by God to coach? Oh, no, no. Yeah, that's Coach McCartney. Okay, okay. Bill McCartney. Okay, got it, got it. So Coach Doherty was a different guy. Got it. And so, you know, I knew he's this legendary coach. I just was taking notes in class and just doing anything and everything, just, just you know, living off every word this guy spoke. I mean, he's a guy taught. He taught uh, offensive philosophy to, to Vince Lombardi. Mm. He was the head coach. Uh, coach Doherty was the head coach at Holy Cross, and Vince Lombardi came to understand his offensive concepts and all that kind of stuff. You know, obviously know where that led right. Coach Lombardi, right? Yeah. So, uh, so he just had this legendary status, and and I just learned so much for him, and we and everything, all the notes we took, everything we had, we he had us make a, 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 a like a program, our own notebook. And we had to turn it in at the end of the semester, and he was going to grade it. And I remember he, he gave me my back, and around the top he said, he said, Tim, this is just absolutely excellent. He goes, could you come and see me? So I went, went and saw him, and he said, you know, would you like to come and coach at my high school? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I did my student teaching there, coach there, and uh, – you know, he said, well, what, do you, what, do you want, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I think I want to be a head, high, head, uh, head college coach. And this class was after you were coaching high school? This, I was coaching high school yep. at the co- the, at the, where I played right. high school. Correct, yep. This was a, he was at a different high school. Got it. Same area, but different high school. But he was also teaching this theory of coaching football class. Got it, got at, it, got at it. the university, right? Wow. So, uh so I said, yeah, I'd love to coach for you. So I went and coached for him, and I just lived in this office. You know, what did you thing. write that, that, that stood out so much? I just think uh, it was like every every word he said, really. I was kind of just writing, putting my own, like, little twist on thoughts it. on it, yeah. you know, and, and impressions on it. And um, Give me the overlying, like, because I want to dig further into in the actual coach, the way that you coached, the way that you've impacted kids. What was the overlying um, premise of what his coaching was all about and what you were in that? Yeah, I think, I mean, that is all about being the best. Being the best. Being the best. And we even talked about yeah. that earlier. Right. Right? And I think that's where the concept of hey, anybody can tell you about wanting to be the best, but are they willing to pay the price? And uh, I think that class was, you know, I was willing to write down everything and put my own, you know, thoughts in it and just put everything into that just to learn the most that I could so I could be the best. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think he got that impression and, and we developed just a great relationship, uh, all the time I was coaching with him. And when he asked me what I wanted to do, I said, well, I think I want to coach college football. And he picks up the phone. He calls the head football coach at NAU 
who played for him before. Yeah. He's like, hey, you know, Lazar, he calls him one of the nickname. He, he said, uh, you know, I got a guy here you need to, you need to hire. And he, and he starts telling him about me. Yeah. And, you know, within a few days, I'm up in an interview and four hour drive up to Flagstaff. And uh, that was my first college coaching job. And so the interview obviously went well. That went well. And he said, all right, you're, did he hire you on the spot? Or did he say, like, hold on, I'll get no, back to you? I said, yet? no, you got to interview now with the defensive coordinator. Oh. So I went and interviewed with the defensive coordinator for two hours, you know, going to X's and O's and doing all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, uh, you know, eventually. And what, what, it, what level was, of coach did good. you start at? Like, which, what kind of coach were you at first? Defensive backs? Yeah, so I coached the safeties. You coached the safeties. Yeah. It's okay. hard to be a uh, uh, coach of the safeties. It was, it was, uh, you know, res- we they called it a restricted earnings position. You know, so it wasn't for the money. It was right. just, hey, this was my, this is my shot. This is my opportunity. All right, talk about that, because a lot of people won't do stuff unless they're being paid, like a lot of money. Yeah, like it's, when it's your calling. Yeah, no, it didn't matter about the money. It was, it was all about, hey, you know, and I, I was that, that wasn't the only play. I was playing all over the place for, you know, college football. I mean, that, that's a that's a tough nut to crack. Really tough. Okay. So it's, this doesn't happen, um, you know, unless somebody's opening those doors. Yeah, so makes a phone call. I was call. knocking. Go back <laughs> on this. And I want you to retrace the steps and really dig in here. Like how important it was, because you made an impression on this guy, right? Yeah. And it all happened because of the impression that you made. This is going all the way back, Tim. Yeah to how you, how you conducted yourself as a player. Mm-hmm. This is how far back this goes. You realize this? Yeah. Because of the way you carried yourself as a player, as a player's coach, the guy, the coach categorized you as like a player coach. Yeah. Because they saw that in you. Where did that come from? Like, how were you a leader on the field? Where did that trait come from? Because you were a leader and could get the guys to do whatever you wanted on the field as a player. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To have that much mutual respect from your peers, right? We're going all the way back here. Otherwise, you never would have gotten these opportunities. It's it started when you were a kid. Yeah. Do you know I, what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. I, I think because of um, you know the place of of value, of place of belonging. You know, uh, I just had a love for the game that was you know different. Yeah. And I think you know guys I played with you know, they recognize the different level of intensity, the, the passion that went into it, the way we went about it, the, you know? Um, and so, uh, you know, I think that has a big impact. Yeah. Right. And I Absolutely. Think, I think, you know, from my high school coach that saw that from my, you know, time with coach Doherty that, that saw a difference that, that, you know, said, okay, it, you know, and you pick up the phone and, Call my guy, yeah, any of you. That's what I'm saying. Get him, get him going. So, uh, where does know, that, that come from? Is well, it, can I, I you think, teach that? I think it's it's again connection to the source, man. Come on, you know it's it's you know I'm t- I'm tapped in, uh, and you tapped in early. A, tapped in early to the life that you know. So all things are possible, and I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna agree there were limitations from very early on. From very early on. So even when I couldn't play anymore, right? It was well. No, there's other things. There's other. There's 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 additional impact. There's you know other avenues you can pursue. 
you're not just, you know, it's just regulated to this one thing. Right. You know, God's bigger than all of it. He can make a way where there's no way. Yes. Listen up, folks. Listen up. <laughs> and this all starts with, because not a lot of young kids are watching or listening to this, but there's yeah. going to be, I actually have some 20-year-olds that are listening to this. Awesome. But the parents this is for, because it starts with the way that you support your child on the field. Mm. Look at look at Tim here. The support of his parents at every game is the reason, one of the main reasons, obviously your connection to the source, of course, Tim. Not, yeah. not, not discounting that at all. But your parents supporting you. Yeah. It's where it all started. Yeah. Right? But but again, it's it's that foundation of faith. Yes. That they provided. Right? They provided. So it's like even though they're the ones present, they're also the ones saying, Hey, you know, your faith is the most important thing. Wow. And that's the way they raised you. That's the way that's they the way they raised me. That's what they the the you know, the whole childhood you're was I mean, listen to this. Folks, listen, parents, listen up. Mm. All right, keep going. Now we now we're gonna go into some coaching stories. Give me some heartfelt <laughs> stories. Uh, whether it's high school, college, give me some actual stories of kids that you personally coached that that had it so rough, a rough either a household, a rough childhood, had no prayer of going anywhere, and the impact that you made is you realize that you were their father figure. Do you have any stories like this? Well. Sure, yeah. you have a million. Well, yeah. Give me I mean, some impacting it, ones that um, just that just touched your heart, knowing that man, I just this was good stuff. Yeah. So I remember uh, coaching at Purdue, which Purdue is, is in Indiana. It's it's a couple hours south of uh, Chicago, the region, and about an hour north of Indianapolis. So it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but right. um, great school, phenomenal people, and uh, uh, we would all on the coaching staff have different recruiting areas. And so I was able to recruit areas of Chicago. And I remember, uh, going into, uh, uh, you know, the projects in Chicago and, uh, you know, normally I remember going to the high school first and talking to the you know, coach about, you know, Hey, what, which kids are you know standing out, which kids need to be recruited and all, you know, asking them about, Hey, I've heard about these kids, kids and uh you know real deal talk i mean yeah um uh you wouldn't necessarily go to those places right unless you were quote a salt and pepper team right it's like there was a there was a black coach from your from your school and you'd go as a white coach yep. you'd go in together yes to go salt and pepper team um and you go and recruit just because the areas are that bad but uh uh uh, I just said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go. Yeah. And uh, I remember the coach saying, hey, you know, who's with you? And, and <laughs> I was like, it's just me. You know, and he's like, really? He goes, you, you, know, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to. He's like, well, I advise against it. And I was like, well, I know who's looking out for me. So yeah. <laughs> he's like, okay. So now he knows I'm going to go make home visits, right? So I'm going into Cabrini Green, which is you know notorious projects in all of oh, Chicago. Yeah, right? yeah. and uh, that's actually uh, Andre Johnson. I recruited him. You recruited when him. He was in Chicago. Yeah, I don't know if you know Andre. Of course. Um, but uh, shout out to Andre. Andre. Love that guy. Yeah, love it. Even though he didn't come to Purdue, 
we went to Minnesota. But, <laughs> um, uh, but I remember making a home visit. Talk about one of these kids that uh, during the home visit, you know, the apartment next door is all bombed out. Right? He invites me in. It's a one-bedroom apartment. You know, and him and two other brothers and his mom. And uh, the kid shows me his area of the closet. Like, this is, what, this is what he wants to show me. You know, all the houses, you know, kind of a mess. Yeah. Or the apartment's a mess. But he wanted specifically to show me his area of the, of the closet. And he opens the door. He's got everything all organized, all of his stuff lined up. He built, like, little shelves for things. And he was, that's what he was proud of. He's like, hey, you know, like, this is who I am in the midst of, like, all this. Yeah, kind of chaos. Ridiculous circumstances, right? The kid uh, uh, got a job at Kentucky Fried Chicken so he could eat. Wow. And as a, a senior in high school, he's, he's an assistant manager, right? So I go, I go and talk to, you know, the manager of the KFC, right? Find out more about this kid. And it's just like, man, this kid was just on a different level. And, uh, you know, it's like, man, you know, it was almost like, I don't want to watch the video because if he can't play football, I'm not going to, I can't offer him a scholarship. Right. You know, but I'm rooting for this kid. such an amazing kid. And then, you know, I turn the video on and the kid could play, you know, and then that gets down. Okay. Now I got to, I got to look at his transcripts. Does he have the grades, you know? And the kid, you know, a A plus student. I mean, it's like, wow, you know, to look at, at where he's from and all the surroundings that he's in and to know that this kid, was that focused, that directed on something different to do with his life? You know, and he came came to Purdue and it didn't really didn't really stand out as a player. But the guy ends up with a degree. You know, he's he's uh he's a professional. The whole life is different. You know, he's raising his kids, you know, out of out of that area in you, a, you in know a, in a wonderful the, place. Do you know him to this day? Yeah, I haven't I haven't talked to him for a long time, but yeah. Can, do you but, know? Do you remember the name? Dartanian Sanders. Dartanian Sanders. Dartanian Sanders. Big shout out, bro. <laughs> big ups, man. Huge, right. huge. So tell me, talk to. That, that's talk, what I'm saying. God can do anything. Talk yeah. on this though. Talk yeah. on this learning lesson right here. What that shows, because I got a lot of people that blame their circumstances. Absolutely. Do you know what I'm saying? He had every reason. To blame every his reason. But what set him apart? And look at how far he went. Yeah. It's doable. It's doable. Even you know? in those circumstances. I mean, the kid, you know, would have to fight his way home sometimes from, you know, get off late at KFC. But, you know, what? they kind of, you know, they kind of knew his story and knew he was going places. And so, you know, uh, the gangs kind of started cheering him on after a while. Like, wow. Okay, you know, all right, we'll leave you alone. I got you. You're doing something else. So they even recognized it. So it was, it's just like God can can penetrate. How was his faith? Was he deep in his faith? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was everything. That's all I mean, it's really all he had. It's all he had. All he had. It's all he needed. Wow. 
So how was your relationship with him like when you were coaching him? Talk to me about that. Yeah, he even, he played it different, but he was a running back. Okay. You know, but uh, so I didn't get a chance to coach him directly. But uh, he was he was one of those fire plug guys who would, uh, would just kind of initiate positivity, kind of no matter where he went. Yeah. He was always, you know, getting himself up, getting other people you know, yeah. up around him. Oh, yeah. You know, he never seen, a, he, you know, he, he'd never seen a cornfield before, right? Never been out of sh- projects of Chicago. You know, and we go, you know, we're going, staying in the nicest hotels on road trips and eating the night, the best food and doing, and it's like, it was in a whole different world, right? Never seen so many white people in all his life <laughs> <laughs> in the cornfields in, yeah. you know, Indiana. Wow. <laughs> go to Purdue. What a story, dude. But, you know what? He just rolled with it, learned, grew, was himself, knew who he was. Knew who he was and who's, who's 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 he, he was, was and who he was representing. Who he, represented. he was, uh, what's it, ask? He's asking, seeking, and knocking. He was asking, seeking, and knocking. <laughs> That's right. He's a perfect example of this. Yeah. All right, give me another story. Keep going. <laughs> give me another one that was just impactful. College. Uh, wow. Give me or another coaching experience yeah, well, you had that was... I, I mentioned to you earlier about uh, interviewing with uh, Coach Ditka. Ah, uh, right, talk a, about that. That's a crazy story. Um, but I remember, How did that happen? Well, was, the Chicago Bears have a, they have a coaching clinic. So uh, and in the Midwest, it's like, you know, everybody comes together for the Chicago Bears clinic. So you get all these like 5,000 coaches that come from around the Midwest to go and hear different college speakers and pro speakers talk about different aspects of football. And so I was fortunate enough to talk about secondary play and nickel and dime substitution and personnel packages and all this kind of stuff. And uh, after the talk, I'm walking past like this hallway and I hear this, hey kid. And and I'm looking around and look down the hallway and I see this like bright orange thing just go. Cigar. Yeah. <laughs> cigar. It's a cigar. He's at the end of the hallway with this door. He's blowing the smoke out the door, and it's Coach Ditka. You know, and I'm like, oh, hey, hey, Coach. You know, and he goes, uh, he goes, you know, that's some good shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, thank, appreciate it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And he said, uh, like, talk to you more about it. He goes, so he gives me a card of his, of his uh, secretary. He said, give her a call on Monday and, and, uh, and schedule time to you and I sit down. I'm like, fantastic. I'll be there. So uh, Monday, you know, I'm like rolling around all weekend. You know, like Monday morning rolls around. I call her up. You know, I say, hey, coach, give me the card to call you. But, you know, coming and see up. She goes, is this for the, uh, is this for the, the interview? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, that's for the interview. So. Uh, not really knowing right. if it was for an interview, yeah. but uh, so I went up, and they're looking, to, you know, they're looking to hire a secondary coach, um, and so, <laughs> uh, so you know, we sit down, we start talking, started getting on the board, starts going through stuff, you know, coach, uh, some of these head coaches are kind of more figurehead in a way. Yeah. Uh, coach Ditka, there was a, he knew, I mean, he knew football like at a very different level all aspects of it so his technical aspect of the game i think kind of gets lost in the overall character of who he is right and big so, character. yeah big character and uh and i remember 
uh, you know, just being kind of, you know, wow, he really knows, you know, he really knows football. He's really challenging me on stuff and asking me questions and going through stuff. What if he did this? What if he did this? What if he do? What if what if he do? You know, go in motion. What do you do? What's your adjustment? All that stuff, right? And uh, you know, afterwards, you know, he's like, hey, great job, you know, great job. And he said, you know, I love to hire you, kid. He goes, but uh, Hal's family, we all know bears at the time he goes you know they uh you know there's a big push for me to hire hire a black coach oh really yeah and i'm like he goes but you know it's my decision right <laughs> you know, so i'm like okay but and he said well he goes yeah, at the very least we can have you we can have you back here for you know during the summer and you can work with you know our, our athletes during training camp and all that while you're waiting for your season to start. And I said, that's great. And he said, but I'll, I'll let you know. Um, didn't didn't hire me. Yeah. Ended up going in a different direction yep. and hiring a minority coach, which is as a white guy playing in the secondary and coaching in the secondary. You know, I experienced that a lot. Yep. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Right? Um, but uh, uh, it was just a... You know, going through that process it ended up being the last year of his contract, so, which wasn't renewed. You know, and then he went on and ended up coaching the Saints. You know, so if I would have gotten that job, yeah. I'd been there for a number of months, a few months, right? Right. And then I would have gone to New Orleans or would have gone, you know, other places or, you know, but, you know, I was able to stay at Purdue and, and, uh, wow, further my career that way. And so, um, did, were you able to help out with their, uh, their, their practice squad or anything like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was able to get, be involved, uh, during the summer and, you know, uh, be around, you know, Mike Singletary and all those, you know, Singletary. those Dent and all of those guys wow. were just amazing. That yeah. was the, what, what year was this now? This would have been, uh, probably 92. Oh, 92. 92 okay. 93, 92, three, yeah, right in there. Wow. Was McMahon there? Was it? Was it? Uh, was it McMahon? Was he? Was, no, he was. was he that was, was in the eighties. Yeah, that was that was mid eighty eighty five. Bears was the okay, big, big yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. He was yeah. he was out by then. All right, yeah. so all right, so give me some more um, some of your athlete stories. One that's uh, that just made all the difference in the world for what you were doing. That was your calling and impacting the world in a positive way. Um, something the the um, an impact you had on one of your one of your athletes along the way or students. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> one of the funniest things was, uh, uh, so years ago, um, like teaching PE, right? Yeah. Um, we would teach pickleball, which was not, <laughs> it was a popular thing. People nah. would go, you do, you do what? what yeah. What's that? Huh? What, what's pickleball? You know? And it, and it was, it really hadn't gained much popularity at all. Right. You know? Um, but it was a great game to teach racket sports, you know, hand-eye coordination, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And teaching PE, so uh, so I would teach pickleball, and I remember this one kid, like, you know, doing it and just kind of getting really excited about it. You know, like, okay, you know, this is awesome. And um, and so, uh, you know, he he like would want to come at lunch and hit against the wall and and. And, you know, you just, it's just to see this growing passion for this game of pickleball, right? So that started in seventh grade. And by 
high school, he was playing in tournaments. And then uh, I think it was you know, when he was 20, he won the national championship. They started they, they started having these national tournaments in Palm Springs. He won the national tournament in Palm Springs. And I'm and I'm just like you know, looking looking back and this you know that obviously pickleball wasn't my thing, right? But it was his thing. He discovered, right? And I just was able to help kind of fan the flame, right? But the kid went on and you know, became a national champion in pickleball, and and uh, I don't know what he's doing today. He's probably teaching pickleball and, and still how competing. Long, how long has pickleball been around? I just started hearing about this a few years ago. Yeah, so pickleball started by a couple of brothers up in Bainbridge Island, Washington, right? Who took a wiffle ball and started hitting it back and forth with uh, with ping pong paddles, and was just hitting. Yeah. It. And, and then they eventually got uh, got into a tennis court, right? And figured, out, okay, well, with, with the bigger court, we kind of need a little bigger paddle, so they kind of made some bigger ping pong paddles somehow right yeah and then uh but they had this dog golden retriever named pickle come on seriously it's a true story <laughs> google it right so whenever they'd say pickle ball pickle would go and get the ball and bring it back you're right? kidding me and so when it came down to naming the game they called it pickleball that's how it got that's named how it got started I never knew this. <laughs> and this is becoming extremely yeah. popular sport now. Yeah. Because so older people was, can play. Yeah. Um, you should see the retirees, man, out there just crushing it. Yeah. Don't ever get suckered into playing some older person pickleball because you'll get humiliated. They're legit. <laughs> They're seriously legit. All right. So, okay. Now, let's go to where you got to Awaken Church. How did you get there? How'd you find it? Or no, how did you get to San Diego? So uh, that's a good question. So yeah. um, my wife and I were at Purdue. We uh, were wanting to start a family. And oh, okay, so you met your wife at Purdue. No, I met my wife. Um, I had graduated from University of Arizona. She was still going there. Um, I was at my first college job at NAU, which is four hours away. Um, and, uh, uh, we had a buy in our schedule. So, uh, Arizona was playing Washington. It was the number one rated team in the country at the time. And we had a buy in our schedule and all my friends are going to be at that game. So there's Hey, come, come on down. Come yeah. on. So I went down and went out the night before and met my wife at a bar yeah. <laughs> at closing time. Oh yeah. <laughs> closing time. Last call. <laughs> met my wife and, uh, unbelievable. She was looking for her friend and. You know, uh, I said, well, I'll help you look for your friend. And I grabbed her hand and fell it ever since. No way. Yeah. How many years ago was that? Uh, it'll be 35 years ago. 35. Yeah. Wow. 35 years ago coming up. It'll be, we'll be married for 30 years in, in uh, this month. Wow. All right. So, 26th. Uh, incredible. All right. So, so go back. What, how do we get on that? Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, so, so I met my wife there. Yeah, yeah. We, had, you know, we're together, married at Purdue. Yep. And then uh, when we decided we wanted to start a family, we were looking at the coaching lifestyle and, and mm. the, the college coaching level, the professional level. 
you know, you're moving around. All, it's a nomadic lifestyle. You're right. moving around all over the place. You know, you don't know where your next job is going to be. Yep. Um, if you do really well, you may end up at another school. You know, your, co- your head coach may move up and you go with them. Uh, if you don't do well, you get fired and then you're scrambling to find a position somewhere else. And so um, we were looking at some of the older coaches that have families and I guess what's their life like? You know, what's the fruit of their life? What, you know, how are they living? And, you know, we decided together that, hey, you know, I could become a head high school coach and still feel like I'm, you know, I have that coaching calling being fulfilled. Right. And then uh, we can stay in one place and raise our family um, and, uh, you know, have that stable family, you know, foundation. And so yep. that's, that's exactly what we did. And so how's San Diego? How did you get here? So, uh, yeah, so I just asked my wife, hey, where do you want to live? Because, you know, living in Indiana is right. a, little, <laughs> a, little, yeah. a little harsh for her. Oh, yeah. So I was like, hey, where do you want to go? So, you know, west, you know, back to the West Coast in, in San Diego was like the first interview, actually. I had a bunch of them set up throughout Southern California and Arizona, Texas. but uh, For high school coaching. For high school coaching. And so what, what, who was here in San Diego? Did you have somebody here that you knew? Like, how did you pick San Diego? It was just one of those God things. Um, uh, my best friend in coaching, which was is another crazy story. Uh, he's the head coach at Syracuse now. But, my, but we had coached together at NAU. Uh, we coached together at Purdue. He was one of the reasons uh, how I got my job at Purdue. Uh, he had left Purdue to go to coach at San Diego State. Mm. And he was talking to his college roommate that he played with that was an assistant principal at a high school. And he just happened to say, hey, do you know anybody that wants to be a head high school coach? Because we have a opening for a head football coach. And Dino, my, my buddy, knew that I was you know, considering making this jump. And so he said, yeah. He goes, my best friend, call, call Tim and see if he's interested. So he called me. I faxed in. You know, facts. Facts, yeah. Faxed in my application on the last day it was open. You know, the job op- was open. I was in an interview two days later, and I'm standing on the lifeguard station at Moonline Beach waiting for my interview to happen. I, I chose to go last. You know, yeah. I wanted to go last. And so uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking through real estate ads and, you know, in the newspaper. This is when newspapers were a thing. Um, this was 94, yeah. 1994. And uh, and just was at Moonlight Beach, and um, my mom had just recently passed away, mm. and so uh, uh, and that was kind of part of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to make that change, you know, to in lifestyle coaching lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, and so I was just kind of standing on. At the at the lifeguard station, Moonlight Beach, and it was kind of a partly cloudy day, kind of like a lot of it is right now yeah. in San Diego. And the sun just kind of broke through the clouds, just kind of shimmered up the water, and just like surrounded me around the, you know, the lifeguard station. And I just felt this warmth, and this peace. And it was like God saying, "Hey, this is the place. This is it." I mean, it was just like wow. And so, yeah. So I went and crushed the interview, and we were here. How, how far into the interview were they like, all right, that's it, we're done? <laughs> well, I went through the whole interview, and they yeah. said, you know, they'll 
let you know. They'll, they'll, they'll let you know and contact me. And then, you know, within a few hours, they called me and said, Oh, they did? You're the guy, yeah. A few hours? Yeah. How many other applicants were there? <laughs> I think they interviewed eight. Eight? Yeah. No kidding. Wow. So how did the team receive you when you came in? Because you're a new coach. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, you usually don't get a college coach coming back to high school, right? It kind of goes the other way. But, yeah. Um, so, you know, I had I had I had you know, you, you can only work with what you have, right? Yes. In, in high school. So it's whoever's going to the school. Yes. And then... Uh, and then the coaching staff, you know, they're teachers usually, right? So you got to, you know, I got to, I got to coach them how to yeah. coach at a higher level. So I wanted to run our high school program like a college program, right? Yeah. What so was the record when you came in? How they, they were, they were, they had, they had one for like 11 years. Like they hadn't had, they had a positive season. Is that what you mean by right. winning? Exactly. And uh, so they're so sub been, 500 for. Oh yeah, I think the year before they were, they were, two and something. Right? Oh boy, and uh, and you knew this. Yeah, yeah, I knew this. Well, okay, we'll just change the culture, right? We'll just you know make it happen. Yeah, and and I could you know I could see El, uh, La Costa Canyon was being built at the time, and so uh, this was at San Diego High School, which before it was an academy, and uh, so there wasn't. A new school yet, but I could, I went to the new school during it. You know, oh, what after, high school after was this? San Diego High School. Okay, that was a high. Okay, but La Costa Canyon wasn't even called that. It was just the new school. Yeah, it was being built. So I went out and toured the new school while they were building it, and thought, "Wow, this could be this could really be something." I could see the communities that were being built around it, and I could see this being a hub of the community. You know, and bringing people together and yeah. celebrating you know, their kids and, mm. you know, being a part of their life. Right? right. And being a part of this community. And uh, and and so that's where I kind of got the vision at this new school. But I knew I was going to have to take over this you know, old school that was going to be coming to an end that hadn't been very successful. And when I got on campus, it was, you know, I'd see these big, tall, you know, lean looking athletes that were playing like volleyball. Yeah, basketball. <laughs> it was like nobody was playing football, so that was the that was the start. It was like, okay, I gotta I gotta change the culture and make this important, you know, yeah. that they can be successful. And so, you know, I did you just start recruiting, or I did. I was actively recruiting on campus and uh, telling, hey, just come on, just you know, just try it, just give it a shot, you know, come up spring ball, just they, give it. A, were they like okay or ah, they were? They were kind of ah, at first, but uh, I just wouldn't give up. You know, I kept seeing them, kept talking to them, kept going, hey, come on out, you know, getting and then and then convincing the players I had, hey, this can be different, but you got we got to get got to get more people involved, right? Get your friends involved, get them out. And so we had a number of guys that came out uh, that were new. Was there any specific dude that had a lot of pull? Like if you got this one guy, he's a great basketball player, he's a great volleyball player, if you can get him. We had this one, we had this one kid, big kid, wasn't playing, wasn't doing anything. But he's a big kid. His name was Trevor Crabtree, I remember his name. And I was just like, man, if we can get him out and just get him to like it, yeah, you know? I, I, you know, this guy could do some damage, right? And and so he came out, and I just 
pump him up, pump him. Hey, you can do this. You can become this. You can you know, just be speaking life into him. Yeah, yeah. Because right? he didn't have anything going on. Nothing. But this he was built for this. Yes. You know? So you got to convince him. Hey, you're built for this. And uh, and so he came out, and a bunch of other kind of bigger dudes that you know weren't doing anything started coming out, and uh, we uh, we. <laughs> We came one game away from winning the CIF championship. The first season? We lost to uh, Ricky Williams. Remember that kid? Yes, yeah, of course. We lost to Ricky Williams' Patrick Henry team by one point in the semifinals. You're kidding me. Yeah. This was the first season you first took over? Season. yeah. <laughs> was everybody all riled up or what? Yeah, it went crazy. Yeah. It's, so it okay. changed the whole culture. So. so talk to me about the, the kids that weren't doing anything. Mm. That's the parents. Yeah, see, that's that's a really that's good the key. parents. That's a great point because most of the kids that weren't doing anything, their parents weren't involved in their life. Aha! So it gets back to that. Hey, how involved are? How supportive are you? How, you know, do your parent do, do your parents really care yeah. enough to support what you're passionate about? And I remember, um, uh, well, I remember. Uh, with Trevor, yeah, like uh, on our senior night, because he only played football for one year, yeah. senior year. Um, we were in senior night. This his was mom, the big his kid. Mom came and just bawling to walk out with her son and realizing how much her son had done in just a short time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Big. This was the big kid that you went after. Yeah. And you spoke life yeah. into him. Spoke life into him. And she was proud. She was proud. That could have been the first proud moment she ever communicated to her to her son. Where was the dad? wasn't wasn't around. And this was just you walking around campus. You saw this big dude, and said, "Hey," and then you spoke life into him. There you go. I'd love to give him a chance. Give him an opportunity. Wow. Just give it a try. Just see if you like it. If you try it, I know you like it. So that night, were you um, were you emotional that night as well? Like when you saw this, when oh you yeah, saw mom? Man, I just giving them all both a hug and sending them off. And was he was he grateful for you? Did he did he express how much uh, he appreciated you doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I wonder where he that's is what's today. Worth. That's oh, why it's that's it. You know, it's not you know the coach is not about the money, right? It's about the calling. Yeah, it's about the calling. It's yeah. about impacting lives for generations. Picture the generations just in that one boy slash man, mm-hmm. the difference that you made in their life for generations, the way he carries himself, the way his family, yeah. his kids someday. Wow. Wish yeah. we could follow up with him and see what's going on. <laughs> you got to track him down, bro. Let's track him down. Uh, Put that good. on the list. That'd be good. We got to track him down. Yeah, I, we need to. We need, and then we'll bring this back on the show, and <laughs> and maybe we'll interview him and see what, like, how much that impacted his life. Oh my gosh! And where amazing. he's at this day and age. Wow, amazing! All right, keep going a little bit, Larry. Let's. All right. Let, no, okay, so now you got me all emotional. Yeah, see, this, this is good. <laughs> I knew I'd get you. <laughs> I get almost everybody. Oh, funny. Um, so, uh, and, but that's what it's all about. Yeah, that is. Like right there, you realize right there that's what it's all about. Yeah. And your higher, your higher calling, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. Why you? Why God put you here? Yes. Right there, one man, one boy, and that's just yeah. one of many, right? Right. 
So you guys came one game away. I can't believe yeah. that. Yeah, Were the guys just like, was the camaraderie in the locker room? Did you just get them to believe? Like, what was your main, how did you get them to come together so much? You know, it really starts with vision. And I laid out a vision. Um, you know, I made I made our off-season conditioning and our spring practice, like, difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say difficult. Yeah. You know, uh, and then we had a, we had a camp. Is what they've never had before, and uh, we called it Camp Smith for lack of a yeah. <laughs> better name. Yeah. But uh, uh, so the parents were like, "Oh, this is going to be Camp Nazi, or oh, this is going to be you know, because I made it so difficult, right? Because yeah. I wanted them. Hey, you want to pay the pay the price to be the best? Yes, right. Yeah, it doesn't come without a price. So they paid the price, and then during the summer, did you lay out the workouts, vision before this, like before no. you put them through this? No, I mean, well, I, I told them where we were going, yeah. right? What did you say? And this is, well, I said, you know, I didn't come here to be mediocre. I said, definitely didn't come here to do what, what's been done. What's been done in the past. Yeah. So this is a, this is a new time. It's a new place. And we're going to do things differently and new. And it's going to be uncomfortable and hard. But it's going to be worth it. Did, did, how many bought in right away and how many were like, just like, oh, I don't want this. Uh. You know, there's a couple guys, there were a couple of players that were on the interview panel that got to hear all the other coaches, right? And one of the, one of the guys that were interviewed was was a coach that had coached with these guys. But one of those players, when it came down to picking you know, what they thought was their, the best person for the job, he didn't pick the guy that coached him. He said, you know what, I think, Coach Smith is going to be the best player. Wow. And the principal, wow, because she didn't expect, like, yeah, she expected both those guys to go with the play, you know, the coach that they knew. So when one of those players turned, he ended up being kind of one of the most pivotal leaders on the team and saying, yeah, you know, this is hard and this is difficult, but you know what? We got we to gotta do this. You know, this is something new. This is something different. We got to trust coach and what he's saying. You know, he didn't come from college just to mess around. Yeah. So he must know what he's talking about, right? And so he he became a very effective leader on that in that locker room. You know, player to player. So wow, uh, that's so great, man. Yeah, I love this. Yeah. But once we got to camp, it was. It was like they were stepping into a college program. We had every single meal catered for them. We had, a, you know, we had movie nights. We had, we were, we, we, they stayed at the school with me, so I stayed the whole week. You know, they called it Hell Week before. Yeah. So we call it Camp Smith now, right? And it's, it's so. I so this was a thing already. This high school had already done this. No, they didn't had a camp. They just called it Hell Week, and they showed up for two practices a day. That's it, right? So now we have a camp where they're staying with me. At the, school. at the school. Where did they stay? We set up sleeping bags and cots. And Were couldn't. the parents like, wait a minute, what is this? Yeah, no, they definitely wondered what the heck was going to be going on. But, but, uh, and it was about camaraderie and bonding. Bringing people together. Hey, we're going to, we're going to have common suffering, right? Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to go through these hardships together. We're going to be together. We're going to live together. We're going to talk together. We're going to dream together. We're going to share together. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Magic app. Gosh. 
Amazing, dude. Yeah, see? This yeah. is it right here. Unbelievable. That's what community is. Yeah. Now, did, did you bring prayer in at all? Yes. You did? Yep. Right off we pray, the bat? We pray before every game. Every game? Yeah. No matter if they told me I couldn't or not. Did any of the parents have a problem with that? Did they voice it? Yeah. You didn't care? No. No? <laughs> so when did you realize in this, your first coach, uh, uh, so, sorry, Camp Tim. Camp Smith. Camp Smith. Yeah. When you, how far in, how many days in did you realize they're starting to bond here? Did you realize you had something? Okay, cool. They're coming together. Yeah. You can, you can see, you, you, know, you know, how you prepare is everything. Everything. Right? In fact, you know, Vince Lombardi's famous quote, you, yeah. know, you know, when winning isn't everything, it's, or it, winning, winning isn't everything, it's the only, it's the only thing, thing. Yeah. right? Yeah. That's, that's really kind of misquoted. You know, he said, you know, winning isn't everything, but the the willingness to prepare to win. Ah. Okay. And so, um, you know, I could see in practice how different their preparation started becoming. Like they weren't just going through the motions. Through the motions. They weren't just giving an effort. They started to give their best effort right and that was what that's 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 what i was shooting for my number one thing is have fun but the second thing is be the best mm. you know be the best you be the best teammate be the best team how do we how do we do this all right and so it all gets back to how you prepare and so you start seeing that the the notches start to level up and how they're preparing. You know, are you going to go easy with the teammate in practice? You're just conditioning yourself to go easy with the teammate in a game. Yeah. You know, or easy against your opponent in a game. Right? No, if you're, if, you know, if your teammate doesn't like it, then that's their deal. They can come talk to me. I want to know that. Yeah. Why don't you like it? And, and that's, right? and it may that's, not be the game for you. Right. Because right? at the end of the day, man, the biggest gauge that we have, I think, as coaches, which I'm learning, is are they having fun? Do they enjoy it? Right? Yes. And because if they want to come back and play for me again, I realize, okay, I'm doing my job because they actually want they want to play and they mm -hmm. want me as their coach. Right. It means they're having fun. They're enjoying it. Right. Right. Is that your gauge? Yeah. What? But see, but they don't. They don't like the preparation. Yeah. Of course. Right. So if you can, you can make bridge that connection between, hey, it's your preparation. That's yeah. going to make you enjoy the, comp the competition all that more. Yeah. Right? In fact, you're going to find out that your preparation is, is going to elevate your game individually and as a team. And so, you, you, you know, you start making these connections in life, right? Yes. How you prepare, how you, how you do the daily discipline. Connect, connect you, this to life now. That's yeah. what I, exactly my, that was yeah. be my next segue was to connect everything about this to life. How consistent can you be, right? Can you be consistently good and not occasionally great? Right? I know there's, you know, people kind of look down at, and being good, you know, good, yeah. good to great book. But, you know, if you can be consistently great, good, it gives you the chance to be consistently great. That's right. Right? Yeah. And if, you know, people like 
that are super talented, okay, they can be occasionally great, but are they going to pay the price to be consistently good? All right? If you're consistently good, mm, 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 mm. oh yep. man, now, now I can be great. Yeah. But you're not going to ever come to that realization, right? Unless you discover it, unless you pay that price, unless you go through the process. And that's, that's, uh, that's uh, Saban's big deal in Alabama. It's yeah. all about the process. It's all about the process. It's all about the process, yeah. So, and this uh, is life. This is life. Everything that you do in life. Everything that we do comes back to that. Ladies and gentlemen, right. listen up. This Everything is God, you God's do process. God's a God of process. Yeah. He's continually processing us. You know, he said, you know, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to... You know, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to bring you to a future and a hope. Right? Yeah. This is the process. Do you do you know the plans? Do you know the process that God has for us? Because He does. Are we asking? Are we seeking? Are we seeking? Are we knocking? Are we asking? Are we seeking? Are we knocking? Ask. Ask. Oh man. All right. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. So, and let's, okay, so let's land the plane soon here. So you, you got to awaken. So give me, keep attributing this to life. Cause this is, this is good stuff right here, man. This is like, yeah. so, cause everybody, and I keep saying this, man, we're in such a world of people just aren't present. Everybody's, right. everybody's on their devices. Everybody's somewhere else. Mm. Nobody's present anymore. Yep. But the people out there that are asking, seeking and knocking that are wondering right now, how are they going to, what, what is their calling? How do I keep going? Yeah. You know, I went through, even, even with all that, yeah. um, during, uh, hope COVID, yep. um, I started, uh, uh, <laughs> started developing a, a program with our, 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 you know, Steve Weatherford. Yes. And, uh, so, I started developing a, a program, kind of a mentoring program with him. We, we called it Man Academy. Yeah. And so uh, we did this little mentorship program with a group of guys. And, uh, you know, I started challenging myself even, you know, more in the process, right? Okay, well, you know, what is it? You know, at, at this age in my life, what, what more do you have for me, Lord, right? Yeah. And uh, through that, uh, everybody in the group was saying, gosh, you know, it's like this coach is, is it, it's, 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 it's like who you are. It's not just like what you do. Yeah. You know, and whether it's, it's coaching football or more importantly, spiritual coaching, mm. life coaching is really what I'm doing now, you know, as a pastor at, at Awaken, um, you know, that's, that's the calling. That's the calling of being a coach, you know, and, and, and so they were challenging me to really kind of define that more. Yeah. And so in that process, I was able to come up with an acronym for what a coach is. And it really kind of really crystallizes everything I do. But uh, the C is champion of the champion. I'm a champion of the right. champion. Yeah, yeah. Who lives in overflow. That's the O, right? Who is... Uh, a man of integrity, character, and love, right? 
the C part is created to create. And the H part is to bring heaven to earth. To earth. So, you know, it all spells out coach. And it was like, gosh, this is, this nails it. This, this narrows it down for me. Yeah. You know, this is, this is my purpose here. And uh, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's like you know, I said before to, you know, when you're the champion of heaven, what do you left to champion? You make champions. And that's what really my life has been. It's to make champions and of, of myself yeah. and others. Because you're you know? growing the whole time. I'm growing the whole time. The that's whole part time. of the process, right? We're, you know, it, it just kind of came up with a, a little saying recently. It says, hey, if you're, you know, I'm going and growing. I'm going out. And I'm growing. I'm going and growing. Right? I'm going and growing. No matter where I go, no matter where my foot shall trod, no matter where he directs my steps, I'm going. And I'm growing because he's growing me. And throughout this whole process. And everybody that's listening and watching, I'm just telling you, listen to this right now. Pay attention. <laughs> that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Every day, Every going day. and growing. Every day, seeking, asking, seeking, knocking. Yeah. I how, love that one. How do we be the best? How do we actually become the best? Do you really believe that you can be the best? It kind of starts there. Yeah, at what you at what you do in life, right? No matter what at you're who doing, you are. at who you are, can who you be you the are. best version of yourself? Absolutely, starts there. Starts there. But do you believe that that's possible? Right. Yeah. Is that is that there? That just like D'Artagnan, that he had a belief that something different was possible for himself. Do you have that belief that you can be the best version of yourself? Yeah. And then are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to find out how? See, that's, that takes courage. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a price tag. Oh, yeah. Right? But are you willing to find out how you can be the best? It's going to have a price tag. Big time. Right? Yeah. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. But you'll gain everything. But you'll gain everything. And so will a lot of people. You'll gain more. He's got a more. He's got more for you. And, and who's on the other end of this that's waiting for you mm-hmm. to be your best? Yeah. How many lives is your best going to impact? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, uh, just a few years back just being in. You know, one of the doing one of the daily disciplines is just being with God in the morning. Yeah, it was just like any other day. And uh, I just heard him say, "Timmy," he calls me Timmy, which is you know, funny. But he, he's, Timmy goes, "Do you know the depths of me?" And you know, I can be a little cheeky, you know, now and then. And and I knew that wasn't one of these moments, right? It was like one of those. Wow, and as I thought about it, I'm like, well, no, God. I mean, who who can really know the depths of you, right? He's endless. Yeah. So I'm like, no. And it was just silent for a while. I'm just thinking, okay, maybe I said the wrong thing. <laughs> and then he comes, comes back and he goes, do you want to? 
Do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to know the depths of him? Do you want to know the depths of you? Do you want to know the best you you can be? The best you can become? The lives you can impact? The people you can touch? How many you can love? How many you can point them to the source? That's the process, bro. That's the process, bro. We're ending on that note, dude. As much as I want to keep firing away. <laughs> Praise God. We're ending man. on that because that was freaking powerful. I love that. I love you, Coach. Love I want you, I want to keep going here, dude. I'm doing everything <laughs> in my power to stop this because that was too good mm. to not leave off on and to end on that note is do you want to get to know the depths? Yeah. Do you want to? And look at and, and, and what's going to happen. The impact you're going to make. If and when you do. Right? Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Real Deal Talk. Coach Tim Smith. <laughs> it's been an honor. Come on, man. It's been a pleasure. Love you, bro. Thank you for sharing your time. Love you, man. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Incredible Real, honor. Thank you. My pleasure. Real Deal Talk. That's a wrap. Uh, let's go.